Mr. Tuvok has a serious concussion, but it's nothing I can't handle. As for Commander Chakotay, all of the bioneural energy has been extracted from his brain. Extracted? Yes, from the looks of it, someone drained the energy from every single axon and dendrite right down to the synapses. I can keep his heart beating, and I can keep him breathing, but other than that, there's nothing I can do. He's brain dead. Welcome back to Delta Flyer. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Thad Heat. And this week, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 13, Cathexis. Also known as the episode where Chakotay literally is an inanimate object. Yes, I was going to I was going to save that joke for later, but you're right. On this week's episode, Chakotay is being played by Arugula. It's a vegetable. Mm. You still haven't seen My Blue Heaven. Uh, I have not, but I know that Arugula is called Rocket in the United Kingdom for reasons that I do not understand. I don't, I've never understood it. Like, you know, watch like Kitchen Nightmares UK and he's always like, oh, let's get some lovely rocket. It's like, what? Anyway. Uh, so our synopsis from TV Guide. After Tuvok and Chakotay return from investigating a black nebula, crew members become possessed by an alien presence. I feel like, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I have a couple of problems off the bat with that. <laughs> yeah. Memory Alpha is... Voyager attempts to investigate the force that made Chakotay brain dead while an unknown entity keeps turning them back. That is more correct. Yeah. Since Chakotay's not an alien presence and he's the only one doing the, you know, crew members plural possessing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, the, whatever took over Tuvok apparently latched onto Tuvok and stayed latched to Tuvok. So, do you remember anything of this episode? I remember nothing of this episode. Also, I want to make another point about the synopsis. Mm-hmm. And then... I'll, anyway. Also, Black Nebula's not a thing. Dark Nebulas are a thing. That's but, racist. Right. But in this case, it was actually a Dark Matter Nebula they were investigating, which I don't think is the same as a Dark Nebula, but I'm not an astrophysicist. Or a astronomer. Could, could you have a nebula made out of Dark Matter, though? Like... Of course. Okay. Why couldn't you? I don't know. Never mind. I mean, I I don't understand dark matter all that well, but A, my understanding is that it's like most of what's out there. And just because we can't quite see what shapes it takes doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't take shapes. I suppose that is true. No, I don't remember anything from this episode. Like, not even a little bit. I remember this is the Chicote Coma episode. Okay. Uh, and I remember the stones. I have a vivid memory of those stones from the first time I saw this episode as a kid for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was about it because I'm pretty sure the last couple times I watched Voyager, I skipped this one because it was Chicote centric. Well, I mean, not just because it's Chicote centric, but it opens on a, you know, freaking Victorian hollow novel. Yeah, there's that too. Sorry, ancient English hollow novel. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, I recognize that they're 350 years in the future, uh, but almost 400 years when this episode was made, but... It's weird. Yeah, you you can't call that ancient England. Or, or it's, it's sort of similar to uh, Star Trek Beyond. Is that classical music? See, that I can accept a little more than the ancient England, because at this point, because music that old to us would the average person would call classical. Well, see, I had always considered classical music to be more of a genre heading than simply an uh, like an indicator of its age. 
That's fair. Yeah, so it's like a certain kind of symphonic music. So would you consider Aaron Copeland classical music? I think I did up until I fully realized when he lived, but for the same reason I also sort of considered like Picasso a classical painter until I realized when Picasso lived. It's basically like, oh, he's a great painter, ergo must be classical. Mm. That's fair. Oh, he's a great he's a great musician, ergo must be classical. Because you know, it, it, like how you learn about the world is you're constantly adjusting your conceptions of how words are defined. Yeah. That's fair. Speaking of definitions and ancient things, mm-hmm. cathexis means occupation in ancient Greek. Now you're taking my notes. Boom. So, while we're talking about things that we looked up, because I'm assuming you didn't just know that. I didn't. I was wondering why it was called cathexis. I thought maybe I like misheard like who the, like what the alien life forms were called, and no, no, I didn't. Magnetons do appear twice again in the Star Trek franchise. They're in two later episodes of DS9. But trianic energy is unique to this episode. Yes. Magneton actually showed up earlier in Voyager in the episode Time and Again. Time and Again. When they were investigating the polaric energy. (laughs) That's how they could find the cones. But yeah, trianic energy is just this episode alone. So that's another counter added to that. And Harry Kim did not die. No. So yeah, five to one. This is not not looking good for Harry Kim. (laughs) It is not. He's going to have a real rough week. (laughs) So, I have some minutia to talk about, and our listeners... Lay it on me. Our listeners are probably going to be like, oh no, not this again. Lay it on them. But I have some things to say about rank pips. Alright, hold hold on to your rank pip thing for a second, because I want to hit another possible counter. Okay. I don't think they've ever eaten meat on Voyager. Or talked about eating meat. I mean, I haven't been looking for this, but... They handle various fruits and vegetables. Seska brings in mushroom soup. Janeway orders herself a cup of vegetable bouillon. While Kess while has pear juice with a hint of lemon, or lemon juice with a hint of pear. And we will have seen them have mac and cheese. Yes. So, I'm wondering... Ah. Yeah, you know, that's... That's a very good point. We know that they do eat meat in the 24th century, but they don't eat, they don't, like, it's not, it doesn't actually come from animals. It tastes like despair. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) Nice. Sick reference. (laughs) (laughs) Because that actually comes up at one point, uh... On TNG, they have they host some ambassadors, and they can only eat meat if if it's actually been freshly killed, and the replicated meat is unpalatable to them. Okay, but yeah, no, I don't think. I think you're right. I don't recall any meat on Voyager, but really, I'd have to go back and watch from the beginning, looking for the meat to be sure. Okay, now you can pip me with some knowledge. <laughs> okay, so by the end of this episode. Three characters will have changed rank, and no one will have mentioned it. Is one of them that guy who showed up and had a surprising number of lines? No. Lieutenant Durst? No, but interestingly enough, Lieutenant Durst does appear in the next episode, and then never again. For good reason. Okay. We'll find out that next week. Okay. 
every time I saw him on screen, like, just because it's like he was kind of featured like oddly prominently. He was. He uh, like got a lot of lines for someone we had never seen before. Uh, I sort of recognized him. Now I was thinking he looks a lot like another that guy. But uh, yes, uh, his name, the actor's name is Brian Markinson. I had thought he was like a contest winner or something, which is why he was being like featured semi prominently. Because mm. ever, you know, because I, I think that there was some sort of contest, you know, like be an extra on Enterprise. Yes, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe like maybe he was like someone's nephew or something. But no, he's a he's a he's a total that guy. Contest winner wouldn't be able to have any lines though. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He de- but they definitely like would have gotten like some sort of like close in shot on them maybe of like really deliberately pushing a button. Yes. Uh but no, you're right, they wouldn't have gotten any lines. Okay, well then we go back to someone's nephew. Interesting enough, that will that will have come up in the future. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So no, I'm not talking about Durst. I'm talking about Okay. In the beginning of the episode the multiple scenes of Tuvok on the bridge, uh basically before the lights turn off and things go serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still has his lieutenant commander pips, but in every other scene, he has lieutenant pips. And we've talked about how Tuvok is was accidentally a lieutenant commander for most of season one, even though they kept calling him a lieutenant. Right. And that they never actually addressed this. We've discussed this before. But Paris starts out the episode, and every episode before this, as a full lieutenant, and ends as a lieutenant junior grade, and will continue to be a lieutenant junior grade until... Later in the show, when he gets demoted to ensign, so full lieutenant is pip and half. Full lieutenant is two gold pips. Lieutenant junior okay. grade is one gold pip, one black pip. So pip and half. Yes. Yes. Wait, hold on a second. Durst only. I I, I could have sworn Durst only had one pip on his collar, and that he was referred to as Lieutenant Durst. Durst had two gold pips on his collar. Okay, then I then I was thinking of someone else. Continue with your with your pip discussion. And Bolana. Started out the show uh, in Parallax with one gold and one black line on her provisional rank pin. Making her up. Indicating a lieutenant junior grade. Right. When she became chief engineer, she then had two gold pin lines. Making her a full lieutenant. Yep. Starting this episode, she's back to one gold, one black. So, in my opinion, this just backs up my previously espoused theory that they only have so many of those provisional pins floating around, and people just grab them. Okay, but how do you explain Tom Paris? There's literally nothing I can do to explain anything Tom Paris has ever done. That's probably true. That might be the episode title. How do you explain Tom Paris? Okay. Okay, so uh, let me talk about the Victorian hollow novel for a second. All right. Uh, first, how about Janeway's eye roll transitioning to, like, full face grimace or whatever after uh mrs templeton leaves the room that was a lot of fun that was but i also have to wonder is this like a thriller slash horror hollow novel with like the rain and like their weird fascination with the paintings i was getting a little bit of the of a beauty and the beast vibe with the never go on the fourth floor thing and then the never go on the fourth floor thing and it's like is this like a suspense hollow novel i think it must be or does or does uh Lord Dingbat. I don't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> I'll accept Lord Dingbat. I remember it being like a really weird name, though. Does does he have like a like a pleasure room or something on the fourth floor? I'd believe it. Those Victorians were super repressed. Uh, yeah, so we're told. 
So, yeah, I, I am not a fan of the Gothic Hollow novel. It appears again later this season and a couple more times in season two, and thankfully not again. Whew. But then there's later, like, the like the whole village or whatever that, like, uh, half Fair the crew... Haven, yeah. Yeah. Some of those episodes are good. Some of them are less so. So, so not good. <laughs> yes, quite. Okay, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's a binary thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's Fairhaven, um... And coming up next season, we'll have um, the tropical, like, uh, resort place, too. Neat. Complete with that uh, scene of Neelix dancing that has that is a common gif seen on the internet. Well, I look forward to that. <laughs> you get a close-up of Neelix's feet, so, you know. Nope, That's... nope, don't, don't look forward to it anymore. Uh... <laughs> So, speaking of looking forward, mm-hmm. as we record this, we are a mere 45 years away from the first warp flight. Yes, we are, and I don't think we're going to make it. Hey, man, you don't know. Uh, okay, so even if the warp flight does happen in 45 years, yeah, we still have World War Three to look forward to between now and then. So, World War Three, Neelix's dancing feet. I don't know what uh, you know, like, you know like, what haunts me more. <laughs> but yes, it is in fact first contact day today. Huzzah! Forty-five years. Uh, Zephram Cochran's going to turn around in his seat and yell, "Sweet Jesus!" He doesn't say it like that. He says it very much like that. Sweet Jesus! Obviously, James Cromwell is a much better actor than I am, so he says it better. Well, let's talk about this episode. Yes. I don't remember how the episode opened. The episode opened oh, with the, the hollow novel. novel. <laughs> okay. So, we Janeway gets pulled out of her no- hollow novel because the shuttle with Tuvok and Chakotay is on its way back from the Dark Nebula, and there's trouble. Yes. Okay, so we find out that Chakotay is unconscious and has no bioneural energy in his head. Yeah, it's all floating around that planet from a few episodes back. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Or it's in the gel packs. Yeah, obviously, how did they not even think to look in the gel packs? Yeah, it's like, oh, there it is. Corridor C on deck 10. <laughs> <laughs> but strangely, his personality's on deck 12. What the hell? <laughs> Now we know that you're just making things up because Chicote has no personality. That's mean. Am I, I mean, wrong? No. My note said Chicote is brain dead, but how could we have told the difference from the rest of this season? Oh, that's even meaner. <laughs> I I recall it getting better in the later seasons. I think that yes. you're right that the writers just like the writers didn't know who the actors were yet and didn't know who the really who the characters were yet necessarily they were writing cookie cutter episodes there are a few really good chakotay episodes in the season and i'll actually honestly uh even in season one i enjoyed state of flux yeah i know i did too but this episode it didn't need to be chakotay it could have been anyone yes yeah you know like instead of the medicine wheel it could have been someone just like you know, like, oh, well, maybe they really love playing chess, and they just, like, shuffle around the pieces on their chessboard or something. Why Whatever. couldn't it have been Neelix? Like, oh, man, those Caraxian potatoes sure are in an odd formation. <laughs> maybe he's trying to tell us something. I suppose Neelix could not have ejected the warp core. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. 
Okay, all right. So I remembered that Chakotay was in a coma and that he possessed things. But because I didn't remember the episode really well, I didn't realize that there were also aliens. So I was like reverse the Voyager crew until very late in the episode. Like, because the Voyager crew thought it was alien possession the whole time. And I thought it was just Chakotay the whole time. Yeah, I did not put it together that it was Chakotay, um, like, that Chakotay was possessing anybody until late in the episode. Like, not, it was before they came out and told us, but not that much before. It was, like, the third person he possessed or something. Like, I didn't realize that Tuvok had aliens in him. I thought he was just Chakotay until, like... Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 I did not, I also did not realize that Tuvok had aliens in him, or alien... Uh, the moment that it was revealed, the moment that the doctor's pointing out the physical trauma to Cass, I'm like, oh, that was a neck pinch. Yes, exactly the same, and then it's like, oh. Yeah. Mm. And how cool was that whole, the the paranoia scene with, with Chakotay, not Chakotay, well, I guess Chakotay was probably there too, but, uh, with, uh, Tuvok and Janeway in Janeway's ready room. Mm. I really enjoyed that scene. And then how that played out on the bridge where everybody's sh- drawing phasers on each other. Yeah. That was cool. But then like, later when we kind of really get our heads around that Tuvok is occupied by the alien all the time. And, uh, and he's like, this phaser is set to kill. Yeah, what? Dude, Tuvok. Like, you know, hey, alien Tuvok guy, you're not going to harvest any neural energy if you murder people. Seriously, like if that if it's such a if he doesn't actually need them to stand around and he, but he needs them to not impede him. Why doesn't he just fire it with the wide beam stun like he did earlier? Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering that too. I was also wondering why um, Lieutenant Durst felt it necessary, like, uh, like getting back to this whole like like weird like lots of screen time thing. Ah, Lieutenant Durst being Lieutenant Obvious. Yeah. Yes, I have that marked down, too. And then at one point, Shaman just has, like, a conversation with the computer, and Alien Tuvok, like, doesn't care. Yeah, there was that, too. It's it's very strange. But... A little bit. But talking about uh, Chakotay being in a coma, I did like um, Bellana's interaction with the doctor when she's trying to use the stones and the medicine wheel and everything. And at first we get this impression that the doctor's like, ugh... A medicine wheel, okay. And he's like, then like, just like, proceeds to school her. You've placed the coyote stone at the crossroads of the fifth and sixth realms, which would divert Commander Chakotay's soul, that is his consciousness, into the mountains of the antelope women, according to his tradition, an extremely attractive locale. He might not want to leave. I, yes, I like the, yes, I I love the, how, what's the word? For that, where you think it's going to go one way and it actually goes another way. Just head fake? Yeah, where you think the doctor's just going to be, you know, sighing about this spiritual mm-hmm. stuff. And really, he just... He's goes... sighing because she's getting it wrong. <laughs> yes. That <laughs> was so good. Yeah. Uh, and I also... And, like, basically like his his last line in that where it's, you know... But unfortunately, none of this will work because he's completely brain dead. Yeah, but no, I, I really enjoyed that. I liked that Bolana is bringing that medicine wheel out to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that shows a lot of the, the bond between her and Chakotay. Uh, interestingly, um, 
some of the production people wanted to have Bellana just paint the medicine wheel on the bulkhead, but uh, other people said that was dumb and they didn't want to do that. Sure. I agree with it being dumb. I mean, it's I can see the argument both ways. Because part of it would be like, Bellana doesn't care about defacing the property, she just wants to help her friend, and I could see that, but I think it looks better when it's on the leather. Yeah, and I can also totally believe that he would have had, he would have that in his possession, or would have had one replicated. I suppose that they didn't have time at the beginning of, like, in Caretaker, to get their possessions off of their ship. They might have, actually. I mean, they don't bring it up, but I just have to assume that because he does say like you know, that like this is his medicine bundle that he's been assembling over the years so yeah they must have him yeah maybe that is like his actual thing and not one that he just had replicated or Bellana had replicated i guess yeah and do you think the replicators will even make the you know shroom replacement of course it why why wouldn't it i don't know feels like something you might need like a lockout code to conveniently he's a lieutenant commander Oh, that's true. He does have the command codes. If he can eject the warp core, he can replicate psychedelics. Yeah, and if nothing else, he'd be like, Captain, I need this religious artifact for my religion and religious practices. Religion. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Sticking with the Doctor, though, I did like that we get the little, like, early flashes of the ECH. Yes, and I like how the Doctor is a little... A little nervous about that, but he yes. definitely is willing to do it. I also enjoy at the end when the doctor's talking about, look at this incredible medical barful I did that no one's ever going to know about, and they basically don't care. Yeah. Yeah, where he uses uh, three neural transceivers, two cortical stimulators, a partridge in a pear tree, and 50 quads of memory. And a band-aid and a stick of gum. Yeah. Sorry, 50 gigaquads of, of, uh, of computer memory. I then looked up to see if quad actually translates to anything that we can grasp onto. No, no, and... That's ba- like for the best, really. Like, looking through, like, the long list of references, it just basically is like, when was the last time we referenced quads? Oh, uh, the doctor said we used 50 million to, to transplant uh, Chakotay's brain. All right, uh, then in that case, then, uh, Lieutenant Darby is going to download 187 million teraquads of uh stories about horses <laughs> just like it, it seemed like the number was always constantly getting bigger even w- like throwing it way down the road late in the season seven of nine downloads like practically that much data just on like human courtship rituals and it's like no <laughs> but it's probably for the best that the quad is not something that compares to our memory otherwise it they would be probably saying something ludicrously low given today's computing standards yeah, that's right. I, I I had not considered that. Just because you definitely see that a lot in sci-fi that was from the 80s or 90s. Uh, yeah, like it, like it would like convert out to be like like 50 terabytes of memory or something. It's like, well, that's actually really not that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So towards the end, yes, when uh, Chakotay possesses Neelix and he wants to yes. do the and he moves the stones yes how does janeway know exactly which visual relay in sickbay to activate yeah i was wondering about that too that's another thing that comes up on voyager um since we're watching this much more closely than i have watched any other star trek ever i can't say that comes up on ds9 or or tng 
but it seems to come up on Voyager a lot of like calling out like the specific camera instead of just saying like, hey, bring up the um bring up the sick bay camera on the view screen. Yeah, like I feel like the computer should be smart enough to for her to be like, computer, show me Chicote's what was it called? Uh, medicine wheel. Yes, show me Chicote's medicine wheel, and it would just the computer would know which camera to do. But yeah. why would Janeway know what each of the at least sixteen different cameras in sick bay are showing? Right. Well, you know, Neelix was the only one who called out to her, so she could have said, you know, uh, you know, computer, show me Neelix in yeah. the in sick bay. Um. How did Neelix know it was called a medicine wheel? Yeah, he wasn't in sickbay when... Yeah, I mean, surely it was, was like a side conversation, like, from, you know, from when Kess was attacked by Tuvok. He probably asked the doctor at one point, hey, what's that thing on the wall? I thought you hated decorations in sickbay. Yes! Especially, the ceiling is especially bland. Yes. So, I, I had a theory going for, like, basically up until the end of the episode, uh-huh. that Chakotay could only take over someone when their mind was wandering. Uh. Because Tom Paris lays in a course and is flying along, so he's, you know, he's he's in autopilot mode. Well, maybe he could only in the beginning when it was harder for him to do it. Yeah, that that's kind of where I've settled. Like, you know, uh, the, the time when Kim spaces out in the meeting and he, like, just calls out and says, my mind was just wandering. Um, but then later, like, the like one of the last people he takes over, well, I guess second to last, is Janeway. And she's, like, in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> yeah. So, you might be right. Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe I just need to, like, refine the theory that I like in the beginning. Theory. Yeah, I yeah. can get behind it. Because like, Chakotay himself talks about... Like, his experience, like, um, going into people. So I would definitely say that going into this, I was of the... Because we have two more episodes to record after this, because we will have talked about Learning Curve already. Uh, And going into this, I was expecting to like this the least of the final three recordings. And I may still, but I... I actually pretty pretty much enjoyed this episode. I thought I wouldn't. And I usually, like I said, I often skip it just because it's Chicote. Mhm. But this one was pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I mean it, it's a it's a one shot. It doesn't it doesn't seem to move the like the larger plot at all. It doesn't <laughs> give us new new information in the canon that I can think of. Um, other than just like reinforcing, oh hey, by the way, Chicote is spiritual. And I guess like, you know, and the crew supports that larger canon pieces it doesn't move doesn't really move the plot around at all but as a one shot as a sort of creature of the week it works pretty well it's 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 pretty well done i'll take this one over ex post facto any day <laughs> yeah uh so here here's a another question i got for you mm-hmm. when janeway is fully cottoned on to the fact that tuvok is an alien Mm-hmm. They're following the sensor logs or whatever that Tuvok wants them to follow, and she's saying, well, what you're showing me is a ship without engines. According to these readings, it's a ship without engines. Like, well, no, he's showing you a sensor plot for a ship that has traveled through space without leaving... If it had no engines at all, there wouldn't be an ion trail. Well... There could still be an ion trail without there being a ship. Um, 
but her point is that like there wasn't like a subspace uh disturbance right from the ship's movement and i'm like well it's possible that there could be engine technology in from some race in the delta quadrant with which you're not familiar that does not like touch right. subspace just because as like i feel like she was just trying to give tuvok every chance to come clean oh yeah no I, that that's all well and good this is like a larger point about like the assumption like this has nothing to do with like janeway specifically this isn't necessarily like a janeway failing this is just like someone on the episode said something that made me think of a thing mm. yeah no that's a that's yeah that's about right I think really the the last thing that I want to talk about with Ali and Tuvok, and mm-hmm. this is also basically like my last note is, and it also ties in with uh, with Neelix. When Kes goes to Neelix with her, like because like she had had like the telepathic disturbance. Yes, we'll call it. She sensed the disturbance in the Force. Yes, and Neelix is just like, oh, there's your telepathic senses again. Yeah, you know, like oh, women. Oh, what are those things called? Intuition. No, no, that that the like not wiles, not feminine wiles, but like the like the notions. There it is, hysterical notions, even. Yeah, like you know, you know how you get sometimes. Like up until she says like that, she felt a presence in her room, and and then he's all over it because like, he's, who was it? Uh, yeah, because he's Neelix is not a good person. I think when it comes to Kess. No, I would agree. I he's like he's borderline emotionally and psychologically abusive yes i would agree with that it's the neelix kest thing is very creepy and it's one of the reasons why i'm glad that kest does not stick around even though really neelix is the creepy one in that group uh, yeah because on rewatch i like kest a lot better than i like neelix yeah i would agree with that too you know like she's empathetic she is always working with people to try to have them be like the best version of themselves uh she adds a dimension to the crew with her telepathy that that no one else can bring it's like she's a solid character what does neelix bring to the table weird vegetables that suck (laughs) but it's the most nutritious thing in the quadrant you know what i'll take the second most nutritious thing (laughs) if it tastes better (sighs) but then we get later with alien tuvok and why we didn't necessarily like key in that it was alien Tuvok because we would believe that Tuvok himself would also say this because I want to say he did it in an earlier episode or later anyway um, that like you know when when Cass is talking about her telepathic disturbances with the captain and Tuvok and who was the fourth person there uh, was it Bolana or was it uh, Kim I, doesn't matter I'm not sure yeah you know Tuvok's like you know she she's a telepathic amateur. But maybe I can help her, and we'll zero in on this problem. Right, and it's it's similar to how the doctor treated the medicine wheel, where he is like accepting it, kind of like on face value that like the, the sheer number of studies that I have seen about where people like take you know like with placebos and nocebos and things of that nature, where it's like sometimes the brain can just like trick the body into fixing things. Yep. So the idea that a doctor in the 24th century is is going to say, okay, well, yeah, medicine wheel, I'm on board. 
Except he's brain dead, so it won't work anyway. But medicine will, sure. <laughs> no, I, I like that. Uh, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I was. I think I was possessed by some uh, alien entity. <laughs> Chakotay jettisoned the you know the the warp core of your thoughts out of your brain. Yes. I don't know if I want Chakotay in my head. I don't have anything to say to that. <laughs> you apparently do want Chakotay in your head. I don't have anything to say to that either. <laughs> right. Well. Well, that was a uh, that was it. That was our uh, that was our episode on Cathexis. Yeah. Uh, come back next week for faces. Dun dun dun. God, I hope it's not dun dun dun. Is it like I don't remember the first season all that well? Is this going to be like a weird like? two-face episode like not as in the batman villain but as in the nicholas cage john travolta movie um or no that was face off um i mean yeah yes it's gonna, it, it's gonna get weird yes <laughs> okay all right well, uh, if, uh, if you thought we missed anything in our discussion on this episode, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Delta flyer pod. So I, I especially would give a shout out to at trick fan Rick on Twitter, who, when I posted on Twitter today that I was watching Cathexis commented that he's a big fan of the Cathexis and is looking forward to hearing our take on it. So if you think we missed something, Rick, or got something wrong, let us know. Yes. And anybody else, you can also contact us at our email address, deltaflyerpod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. And me on Twitter at Gamicus. And you can also uh, check out our other podcast, Stargate Weekly, which you can find on your podcast player of choice, where you should be going to rate and subscribe. And, and that's, that's our show. show.